Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to take you back. I'll just talk about the 21st century, even though some of us in here remember the 20th century very well. I want to take you back because I don't think students, most of our students wouldn't remember this, but to the very first event that spilled from the 20th century into the 21st century that struck fear in the hearts of our global community. I'm talking about Y2K. Can you raise your hand if you remember Y2K? Okay, we have people who remember Y2K. Y2K was a problem because these two-digit computer programs that had the year 99 were going to switch to the year 00. And there was a concern that the computers weren't going to be able to know how to handle it. And the whole power grid and everything was going to shut down. Well, nothing really happened. But people were afraid about it for a long time. And then we had 9-11. And then there was the swine flu and SARS and the bird flu. And I think you're getting my point. How about COVID, right? We're not in any shortage of things that can make us afraid. And it's not a matter of if another thing is coming, but, but when that thing is coming. Maybe now it's AI, right? And how afraid we should be of AI. There's always something to be afraid of. And so how do we handle this as God's people? If, if, if we're just waiting for the next thing to happen, how, how, if there's going to be a global calamity, are we supposed to imagine our lives without fear? Well, Jesus will tell us today it comes down to one thing. That's looking to him. That's seeing the promises that he has made us in his word. Today we'll find that encouragement from our Savior. I think you know how this works. You've probably seen the ads for pharmaceutical companies where they tell you all the great things that taking their medication will do for you. And then toward the very end of the advertisement, in the same cheerful voiceover, they list all of the bad things that might come with it. I don't know if I can do my best cheerful voiceover, but it might go something like this. This may cause nausea, constipation, diarrhea, vomiting, and even death. Like, almost like you want to have those things. Of course you don't. And it makes you look at the warnings that each of those medicines contain and wonder if it's worth it. I thought about box warnings when I thought today about life. Because shouldn't life come with some sort of box warning? I mean, when newborns come into the world, shouldn't we have a little piece of paper for them that says, caution, life is going to be hard, right? You probably are going to face things like natural disasters, maybe disease. There's going to be hunger and thirst. On top of that, there might be wars and terrorism and even nuclear threats. And then human beings have been known to break bones and get into car accidents and have friends who turn their backs on them. They take final exams and really, in general, have frustration with life. And I'm only scratching the surface, right? We could drive ourselves crazy with all of the things that we could be afraid of, that we could fear in this life. And, and, and maybe we could curl up on our beds in the fetal position and hope nothing bad happened. Maybe we could clothe ourselves in bubble wrap as we went out for the day or bathe in hand sanitizer to try and keep every bad thing away from us. But even that wouldn't do the trick, would it? What's so amazing is we think about all of those things and today Jesus would say to us two words, fear not, fear not. You see, when we change our focus away from the fears that can trip us up to the Savior who has given us his word, that's when we can stand in the face 
of global calamity. And that's what we want to talk about today, how we can stay fearless, imagining our life without fear, even in the midst of global calamity. And Jesus will tell us two things today. First of all, that we should not be alarmed by the troubles in this life. But then secondly, a joyous end is coming. The first verse of our text is Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. And I'll get this set up in just a minute. But listen again to what Jesus said to his disciples. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. If you get a chance this week and you want to dive into Matthew chapter 24 and 25, they're filled with the prophecies that, that Jesus is giving about the end times. And the very first one he gives is to his disciples as they're walking by the temple. This is Holy Week, a few days before Jesus is crucified. And he tells his disciples to look at the temple. And he says to them that that temple was not going to stand forever, that it was going to be torn to the ground and not one stone will be left on top of another. You can understand the disciples' question, can't you? Well, when? When is that going to happen, Lord? And, and how, how will we know? What are the signs that those things are going to be happening? I mean, imagine if you were to take a walk up to the Capitol today and there was someone with a bullhorn outside the Capitol saying, in two weeks, this building will not be here anymore. Not one stone will be left upon another. You might have some questions for the person. And so Jesus' words in our text today are his answer. And it's not just the few verses that we're going to focus on today. He actually spends two whole chapters, Matthew 24 and 25, on the end times. What's going to happen leading up to the end? Do you remember the two disciples, the disciples' two questions? When? And what are the signs? The first one, Jesus doesn't answer. He doesn't tell them when. He says it's not for them to know the day or the hour. But he does give them the signs that prepare them for the end. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The very first thing that Jesus says is there's going to be those who are going to use deception. People who are going to come into this world and claim to have the way to salvation. They're going to have the method. They're going to have the plan for you to get out of all of the troubles of this life. Jesus calls them false messiahs. I think you probably know that history is dotted with people who have come into this world and said that they are the Christ. They have the way to salvation. I tried to think of some, even in my own lifetime, that, that I know about. I think about Jim Jones. You can look these up if you don't know who they are. David Koresh. Charles Manson. People who said that they were the Messiah. And then I've heard it, even in the last couple of years from both political parties, claiming to be the ones who are doing God's will, who have the path of salvation. And we might say to ourselves, well, we're not going to fall for that. No way am I going to be deceived by people who are teaching things like that. Never would that happen to me. I think Paul's warning in 1 Corinthians 10 is a good one for us to hear. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. My guess is that most of you here have seen a quality magician at one time or another. And if you've seen one of those magicians, you know that no matter how hard you try to figure out how they're doing their magic tricks, our eyes aren't fast enough to keep up with the sleight of hand that they're able to perform. And so it truly does look like magic because you can't figure out how it's being done. And I think to myself, if I can be deceived by that, if I can be taken in by that, how confident should I be that the master of deception, the devil himself, isn't going to be deceiving me? 
Jesus once talked about the deception of those who claimed to have answers to how to get to heaven that were different from what God says in his word. He said this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Yes, we have to be on our guard. And Jesus would say, take everything that you hear, everything that someone is saying and compare it to the truth of my word. That's when you know what's true and what's false. Jesus wants to give us more indications that the end is coming. He says this, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. We're no strangers to these signs either, are we? Wars and rumors of wars. There's conflict that seems to happen all over our world. We're in year two of a war between Russia and Ukraine that we hear about almost every day. There's threats of nuclear war. There's threats of going to war with other countries. And it's not going to stop. Those conflicts will keep coming. I know it's hard to hear this, but this world is going to get worse before it gets better. And as God's people, we understand that, but it doesn't make us any happier to hear it. I would like my life to be easy, but that's just not the way God says it's going to be in his word. Jesus tells us, when you see these things, be prepared for them, but don't be alarmed by them. I love the original word in the Greek there for alarm because it's in a, a tense that, that makes it a different thought. I mean, alarmed is a good idea behind it, but it has this picture with it. It's almost as if you're so surprised by something that it allows a scream to escape your mouth. And I thought, too, the times that people have tricked me by sending me little videos that they're supposed to study really intently and close, you're supposed to figure out what's happening, and all of a sudden something jumps out at you in the video. Have you had those? It scares you half to death? Yep, every once in a while a little scream will come out of my mouth because I wasn't expecting it. Jesus says that's not the way it is with us in this world. We know that bad things are going to occur. These things must happen, Jesus says. There are going to be troubles in this life. But see to it that you're not alarmed. You see, Jesus wants to give you and me courage today. Courage to know that the one who took our place on the cross, the one who was willing to come into this life and live just as we did, but without sin, Jesus knows what we're going through every single day. That's the Jesus who has had all things put under his feet. It's the Jesus who rules all things for our good. It's the Jesus who promises he's with us always to the very end of the age. Is it possible that our problem really stems from this expectation that we have? That somehow faith in Jesus is going to make life be super smooth? Just smooth sailing all the time? I mean, after all, God is all-powerful and God's loving. So, so if I have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, then, then everything in my life should go well too, right? And there's some logic to that, for sure. But Jesus reminds us that there's purpose. There's purpose to the difficulties that we face in this life. And so when we face those troubles, he doesn't want us to panic. He doesn't want us to get frustrated. He doesn't want to question how he's running the universe. He wants us to see his hand of blessing in all things. See, this world isn't going to be heaven. And if we're looking for heaven on earth, then we're going to be frustrated all the time. 
But Jesus promises us the paradise that he once created on this world, in this world, the one that was ruined by sin, he's going to restore it. He's going to take us to the place where that's true again. And so he doesn't want to focus on the here and now, but that something better is still to come, the end, which will bring us eternal joy. Jesus finishes our text for today with these words, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Again, no surprise to see conflict between nations. Threats that are constantly there. Even Psalm 46 covered that. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. And it's not just that kind of conflict that we see, but we see conflict in nature too. Whether it's famines or earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes, storms, those things will continue to happen as well. Because nature is groaning, Paul says in Romans chapter 8. It's groaning. All creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, waiting to be released from the effects of sin. Again, Jesus would simply say to you and me today, if you're looking for heaven on earth, if you're looking for your best life now, you're not going to find it. There is not going to be peace in this life compared to what is yet to come. But what Jesus wants you to see is that you're equipped. You're equipped to handle the difficulties that come into this life. It doesn't mean that they don't hurt. It doesn't mean that there isn't pain that comes with them. But it means that something better is yet to come. Don't you love Jesus' illustration? He says, these are the beginning of birth pains. I have not had that opportunity to experience labor and delivery, but I know people who have. And I know the joy that is at the end of that labor and delivery, a child that God brings into this world. And isn't Jesus saying the same thing? The pains, the troubles, the sorrows that we experience in this life, there's an end to those things. And the end is glorious. The end is something better than what the pains could ever take away from us. And really, if you think about it, it's not an end at all, but a beginning. Just like a child that's brought into this world, it's a brand new life, a beginning. So when this life ends and the troubles of this life end, it's the beginning. The beginning of eternal joys with our Savior forever. Do you love how Jesus gives us a dose of realism today? He simply says, be prepared. Life is not going to go the way you want it to every single day. But know that I haven't changed who I am. I'm still in control. I'm still the one who cares about you and loves you. And we know that Jesus proved that love because we get to look up too, just like the people of Israel did when the bronze snake was put on the pole. Jesus talked about himself being lifted up on a cross. And we get to look up to that cross and say, there. That's where all of my sins were paid in full. That's where I know I have a life with my Lord forever in heaven. And we get to look up to Jesus coming again, coming on the clouds to return to this earth to take us to be with him in the forever life he has prepared for us. It's exactly what John was talking about at the very end of the Bible in his revelation, the last chapter, the last couple verses. He says this, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Some things to take away from our sermon today. Number one, Jesus tells us to expect life on earth to be full of trouble. 
You remember that verse where Jesus actually said this to his disciples? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Secondly, we live fearless in every circumstance because Jesus is always with us. I love God's words to Joshua before he took over for Moses as the leader of the people of Israel. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Finally, number three, we know a blessed end is coming and we will live in peace and joy forever. Jesus, through Peter, said these words in 2 Peter chapter 3. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home where righteousness dwells. In the book, Fearless, that we've been kind of looking at and going through in this sermon series, Max Lucado tells an interesting story about a college student named Peter Wirth. Peter woke up one morning with some severe pain in his shoulder, and as most college students might do, he called home for some advice from his parents. Only Peter had a little bit of an advantage because the phone call home to his dad happened to be to a doctor, a doctor who was a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon and who also specialized in shoulders. That was Peter's dad, Michael. And so Peter called him up and told him his symptoms and his dad said, well, maybe, maybe it's just an injury from some of the weightlifting that you've been doing. But as the day progressed, Peter started feeling numbness and tingling in his arm. And when he called his dad a second time, his dad told him to go to the emergency room and request an ultrasound. You see, just a few days before, a few days before Peter had this trouble, his dad had finished co-authoring a paper about thrombosis, about clots in people's arms and shoulders. And he was afraid that that's what his son maybe had. And so he took the ultrasound and sure enough, his dad's diagnosis was spot on. Even from a distance, he knew what was going on. They were able to give, give Peter medication to break up the clot and to preserve his life. Wouldn't it be great to have a father like that? We do. We have a father who has diagnosed our trouble. And not only diagnosed it, but he's written the solution for it in his own son, Jesus who came to this world to take our place, to suffer for us, to die, to rise again, to guarantee our forgiveness. And it's that Jesus. It's that Jesus who lets us live fearless in the face of whatever comes in this life, knowing that the end will be glorious with him forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.